Hello, everyone. This is the Female Founders and Funders podcast, and I'm your host, Elaine Zelby. Each episode, I speak with amazing women to discuss various macro trends and the future of different industries. We'll tease out insight and predictions from the ladies who've gone really deep in certain subject areas and who are extremely passionate about those spaces. We discuss where they think the world is headed, why, and what needs to happen for that world to become a reality. My guest today is Allison Robinson, the founder and CEO of The Mom Project a marketplace that connects talented women with world-class employers that respect work and life integration. She started the company in 2016 while on maternity leave after having worked at Procter & Gamble for seven years. Allison, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show today, and huge congrats on the recent announcement of your Series A funding. That's really exciting. Thank you, Elaine. It's great to be here. So Allison, I'd love to hear a little of the background about how you came to start The Mom Project. Yeah, so I um, I started the Mom Project actually while I was on maternity leave, as you said. Um, I'd spent my career at P&G getting to know the mom segment pretty well. I'd actually helped lead Pampers Innovation for North America um, in my most recent role at P&G. So it was very intimately um, aware of this millennial mom segment. And I went on on maternity leave after I just had my son, Asher, in July of 2015. And I read a statistic that was quoted from the Harvard Business Review that 43% of skilled women leave the workforce after having children in the US. Wow. And yeah, that, that really just illuminated to me what a major issue it was. And I had certainly seen my own mom, sister struggle with this, but I realized how much bigger the problem was than my own family. And it felt to me like a problem really worth solving. When you originally left P&G, did you expect to go back to work or did you expect to actually drop out of the workforce like the 43% statistic that you cited? You know, I um, it was something way before I became pregnant, that was always in the back of my mind. Um, I always had a very kind of ambitious goal around what my career would be. But I always, always sort of knew that there would be an inflection moment when I became a mom, because building a family was something that was so personally important to me. Um, So it was something I had thought about for a while, many years. Um, I did anticipate that I would go back to work after having my son when I was pregnant. Uh, But I think like, everything sort of changes once you once you have a child. Um, and so what I kind of knew before having him um, was was not as relevant. Um, and, and my world completely changed. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I can only imagine that that really is one of the few truly life changing moments in anybody's, uh, you know, anybody's world. It really um, is. You, you can think you have all the answers. Um, but as it turns out, you usually don't. <laughs> I'm sure. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about uh, tactically what is the mom project? Who are they really targeting and what are they providing for both sides of the equation? Yeah, absolutely. So the mom project operates as a double-sided marketplace. So we connect a community of over 100,000 women with meaningful, rewarding work opportunities with great brands. Um, So if you look at the women that we're serving in our community today, um, she's educated, nearly 98% have college degrees. In fact, nearly 40% have secondary degrees. Great experience across core business functions, technology, um, may have spent 8 to 12 years working at a big company and is looking for their next opportunity. 
um, some further information on the type of women that you would find in our network, about a third have taken a step away from the workforce to focus on either children or increasingly elder care or both, and are looking for opportunities to get back into the workplace. And about two thirds we find are actually actively working. Um, that could take a lot of different forms, maybe freelancing, small business owner could be working at a large firm um, with a with a very demanding schedule and looking to scale back and, and find something more compatible with life. Are there certain industries that you're seeing a lot more traction with on the, the supply side of the marketplace? You know, I think um, on the supply side, it's really runs the gamut. Um, I would say from a customer perspective, we're finding that the pool and the need for diverse, experienced talent um, transcends sector and industry type. Everything from technology, oil and gas, consumer, retail, financial services, logistics. Um, I think we've found that this this topic and this pain point is is pretty universal and, and don't see a lot of concentration in any one industry or sector. Hmm. On that point of having a diverse workforce, I think that from looking at macro trends, it feels like you're really riding two tailwind macro trends. The first is this major push towards diversity and inclusion being a major topic for corporations across all different industries. And the second one is we're now starting to see a lot more remote work, distributed workforces, and that's becoming much more acceptable. How crucial have those two trends been to your business? And are you seeing one playing a larger role? Yeah, absolutely. I would say we're really at the convergence of those two trends. Um, from a diversity perspective, we continue to see companies' commitment to this being at an all-time high. So I think CEOs have very publicly stated their commitments to both gender diversity, ethnic diversity, and now it's really moved from a why to a how. We've seen that companies tend to do pretty well at attracting diverse talent at the entry level right out of college and then in the more senior posts at the operating committee level C-suite, but most have what they call a hollow middle at the manager director ranks where women are either stepping out of the workforce or scaling back in their careers. And that is a pool of talent that companies really don't do a good job of attracting and retaining. So we've been able to really help them with very practical solutions. Um, and then certainly the gig economy, the distributed workforce is something um, that we are heavily engaged in. A lot of the work that we do is project-based um, in nature. We think this is the future of the workforce um, for many. And, and this will only continue to grow. On the uh, diversity piece, one of the I know I've seen a chart that shows that a lot of women tend to drop out right when they hit that kind of manager, senior manager, getting to director level, and that's mm -hmm. when a lot of the attrition happens. If you just think about the natural time timeline of a, a woman's life and when they would have kids, it just makes sense. Um, yeah. But I feel like a lot of the solutions around part time work or things like that aren't really going to solve the problem of getting more women into management. Is that also a major goal of these companies or for them, they're looking holistically at the entire makeup of the company, regardless of where they fit in? Yeah. So I think most, most companies are thinking about it both in terms of attraction and retention. Um, so exactly 
what you what you stated, the drop off tends to happen at the manager director level. Um, so I know an area that we're we're working closely with big companies around is how can we help retain um, more of that female talent at that critical manager director level um, as they also begin building families. I think today the the path to career progression looks very binary. They're either kind of committing to that that career um, or they're choosing family. So how do we create sort of less linear career paths, if you will, so they can keep progressing in their career um, while also being able to prioritize family? Um, so that can take a lot of different forms, but that's that's been work that's been really exciting as we dig into this pain point with, with big brands. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting. And I've been looking recently a lot at retention uh, being a huge challenge at companies in general. A mm-hmm. lot of this is millennials and Gen Zs tend to job hop a lot. Uh, again, you're having this huge population of women who drop out of the workforce when they're having kids. And I feel like because retention is such a challenge for people, they're really trying to be much more flexible in how they think about work, whether that is allowing people to work remotely, whether that is allowing people to do more part-time, flexible, project-based things. And so that does feel like just from a holistic retention point of view, I think companies have to change the way they think about their workforce and what work looks like in general. Absolutely. It's uh, been so good to see this shift to really looking at results and performance-based metrics rather than FaceTime. Um, And because people want to get the work done and they'll reward their employers for allowing them to have independence and autonomy around where and how that work gets done. Are the women on the the platform of the Mom Project, are they typically doing multiple projects with the same employer or are they hopping between employers uh, based on need and also their flexibility? So a lot of the project-based work we do actually um, are for four to six month increments, uh, typically at one employer. Um, So one of our most common work types is something that we trademark maternity ship leave. Um, we found that as many companies get more generous in their parental leave policies, it's leaving gaps in the organization. So that provides a really nice opportunity for another mom to come and cover for that gap, have a four to six month project at a great employer to put on their resume. Um, so it tends to be more one employer for a compressed period of time, though some particularly more working on small business projects. Some do also work concurrently on multiple projects. I love the maternity ship concept. That just makes so much sense. Yeah. You you have this group of people who are going to take a, an amount of time and may come back, but you right. have this huge supply of people who can literally fill in the puzzle piece when it's missing. I love That's such a brilliant yeah. idea. I think if we can really solve structurally for parental leave, it helps with a lot of the retention um, issues that we that we spoke of earlier. And I think going back to the decision to being binary, um, would love to see more kind of gateways. So somebody coming back from parentally, maybe they're not ready to come back to a 50 to 60 hour work week. So how can we really ease that transition? Maybe, maybe get them back to work in a part-time capacity as they, um, work through life transition or through project-based work, et cetera. So we're diving pretty deep on, on parental leave because we think the impact can be very significant. 
On the, the concept of parental leave in general, I've said for a long time that I fundamentally don't think we're going to have equal pay and kind of just gender parity in the workplace until there is mandatory paternity leave that matches maternity leave. What are your thoughts in general about men stepping away from the workforce when, uh, when they have children? And do you see that changing in the future at all? I think it's so important. I mean, if you, if you peel back the gender pay gap, most of, of the gap is attributable to motherhood and, and women carrying more of the load at home. So as much as we can really bring men and fathers in, into this, absolutely. That's how we get to equity. And it really does start at home. Um, it's been really exciting to see um, some outspoken advocates for dads taking leave uh, certainly Mark Zuckerberg was one. Uh, one of our investors, Alexis O'Hanahan, I know is a big supporter of this. Um, so I couldn't agree with you more. Equity starts starts at home. Are you seeing that shift starting to happen now? I would imagine it's first going to start in some of the major cities um, and younger generations, but uh, I haven't really done research into whether it's it's already taking place. Yeah, I, I think it is. I think millennial dads do have a much more hands-on approach. Um you know, certainly through my experience, my husband, um, we are equal partners in parenting and it makes all the difference. And uh, I don't think we're alone in this. I do think there is a cultural shift happening with dads wanting to be much more involved. Going back to when you were first building the marketplace, which side of the marketplace, the moms or the, excuse me, the corporate partners was harder to convince to join? So I would say, um, certainly for us, we have been, we've found it more challenging to create job opportunities through the platform. Um, you know, relying heavily on my experience at Pampers had, because this pain point is so universally common amongst many women and mothers, um, we found that supply has been the much easier part for us. We tend to have a lot of viral growth, um, women sharing across their Facebook groups, et cetera, that really accelerated the supply side of the marketplace much more quickly than I would have ever imagined. Um, when it comes to the company side, it certainly takes longer. Um, we are really focused on selling a Fortune 1000 companies um, who have pretty long uh, sales cycles. And we sell to HR and procurement is also involved. So just getting to, to scale on the demand side for us is, is certainly the, the longer lead time challenge. Who was your very first corporate partner on the platform? It was JLL, um, a large commercial real estate firm based in Chicago. And the story is actually really funny. The reason that... Um, they became our first customer was our, our realtor. We were looking for a sublease and shared with her what we were doing, the mission. And she immediately brought it back to her recruiting HR team. Um, so I always like tell other startup founders, like you're always pitching, right? You never know where that first break will come from. That's so true. Was there a specific uh, area within JLL where they knew that this was a great match, meaning they had four to six month projects or they already had openings they were looking to fill? Yeah, definitely. So we um, we often start in HR because that tends to be our champion uh, within the organization. 
And so for them, they were moving, they were growing fast, bringing on a lot of major clients. Um, And so they were really looking to the rising gig economy to help them be more agile in their resourcing. Um, So we, we started playing a role in that specific to their recruiting HR function. Have you ever thought about, you know, there are a few companies like Gigster, TopTal, or ones where they're not focusing on, you know, a, a demographic like moms, but they're focusing more on technical talent. So we will do a project that is relying on engineers, product designers, those type of people. Have mm-hmm. you thought about ever focusing on a certain area? Maybe it is HR, maybe it is, you know, finance. I know there are a lot of people on the platform doing finance. Yeah, so we, you know, our mission is to build a better workplace for women and mothers and the businesses they support. Um, so we've we've made a very intentional decision to not choose one vertical um, and have more of a horizontal approach to this. Um, while we're we're more focused right now on business and technology, our our long term vision is to serve every sort of job type and category globally, um, such as healthcare, you look at professions where that are very female dominated, like healthcare, education, um, that could really benefit from this business model. So we'll continue to take a horizontal approach to the problem. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, You know, one of the things that I didn't see on any of your, your website or other marketing materials is referencing anything about being a recruiting firm. And so it feels to me that you definitely don't think of yourselves as a recruiting or talent placement firm. How would you categorize what the mom project is? Yeah, so we we consider ourselves to be building really the career hub for moms. Um, certainly, they're coming to us today for the job that's the anchor. Um, but ultimately, our our vision is to build a future where women don't have to choose between their families and their careers. We know there's huge economic potential of making that a reality. If you look at the disparity and the gap between the percentage, the labor participation rate between women and men in the U.S., it's largely attributable to motherhood. So while we'll continue to to focus on the job and building structurally a better workplace, there's other kind of challenges at play that we want to play a role in. Uh, one of the largest being childcare. Uh, we hear time and time again that's one of the biggest obstacles to women really being able to enter the workforce or stay in the workforce in large numbers. So we were excited to announce earlier in the year a partnership with Urban Sitter. Um, where we're actually paying for all moms on our platform who are interviewing for childcare so they can get to their interview um, on time with peace of mind. Um, So yeah, while we certainly are in the business of getting people work, we don't identify as, as a traditional staffing company. That's so cool. I love Urban Center. I actually just spoke with Lynn recently. I think that's such a natural fit for you guys. Yeah, she's, she's absolutely wonderful. Such a fan, um, a customer of the product. Um, so we're, we're really excited about it as well. On the note of, you know, partnerships and tools, are there other tools that you're providing the moms to help them, whether it's with interviewing, upskilling, finding the right fit? Uh, are there things outside of just matchmaking of open roles? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a big, a big, Focus for us is around upskilling, reskilling, particularly 
for those that have been out of the job market um, and are looking to maybe enter um, a new career like technology where where there's a lot of demand. Um, so we are just actually announcing a partnership with um, a company called Career Circle um, that is giving free scholarships uh, to women on our platform um, to get trained in software development and then helping them land their first tech job. Um, so that will continue to be a big focus um, as we think about how do we serve all 100,000 women in our community. Are you finding you have to also do the same on the flip side of the corporate partners where you have to provide them with additional education or training around diversity or around you know what, the, what this type of a, a match looks like? Yeah, we love we love. That, that we're getting that opportunity. We actually have a PhD on our team, um, Dr. Cohen, who leads our research and insights. So she plays such a big role in that, in educating employers on, um, we found that for a lot of HR investments, or whether that be parental leave, whether it be flexible work arrangements, um, childcare subsidies, et cetera, we all instinctively know that they're the right things to do. They'll lead to employee loyalty, retention, engagement, productivity, et cetera. But there's been a lack of quantitative data to really be able to underwrite those major investment decisions. Um, so Pam spends a lot of time with our biggest enterprise clients, really helping them understand the long-term financial implications of driving a better, more equitable workplace. Are there any companies, whether it's enterprises or organizations, who are also playing a role in diversity and inclusion that you think are doing a fantastic job? Yeah, um, there's a lot. Um, I would say um, the CEO pledge um, for diversity and inclusion has been really great, um, really championing this conversation at the, the most senior level. Um, and really creating um, practical ways for companies to deliver on their commitments to diversity and inclusion. That's one. Um, there's a lot of other just startups in the space. I mentioned Urban Sitter from a childcare perspective, Winnie. Um, I think organizations like Fairy God Boss in her sites that are giving um, more women transparency about what it's like to actually work at some of these companies are doing really good work. Um, yeah, so too many to mention, but absolutely. And we're excited to be partnering with many of them. Those are great resources. I appreciate those. Yeah. Have you, over the course of developing, you know, working on the mom project for the last few years, have you developed any personal practices that have really helped you stay sane, both as you manage building a company, having a toddler, fundraising, being a wife, all of those different things that you have to juggle every day? Yeah, I actually um, have two children now. <laughs> so um, I, I had my, my second son, um, I was about 38 weeks pregnant when I was pitching for our seed. Oh, wow. um, yeah, so I think, you know, I, um, I'm learning a lot. Certainly the demands of a startup are can't be underestimated. Um, so for me, I think I, uh, I'm learning every day. I'm, I'm really challenging myself to create um, sanctuary around family time. Um, it's so easy to just um, 
to let work be all consuming. Um, so our family actually just recently took a vacation and I turned off email for a couple of days, which I hadn't probably done in three years. And it was such needed um, time to just focus on family. So I know personally for me, I'm working on putting more boundaries um, on work and family, Um, but it continues to be an ongoing journey. It's always so hard, especially in this hyper-connected digital age where we're strapped to our phone at all times, day and night. It really, it really is. And one of our advisors actually work leads work life strategy at Stanford, and she's incredible, um, Phyllis. And she actually said, uh, work life integration experts are notorious for probably having the least amount of it themselves. So <laughs> I've kind of taken note of that to not be too hard on myself. I always feel like that's the case. It's you know, chefs that our chefs at Michelin star restaurants come home and eat macaroni or things like that. It's always, exactly. you can only do so exactly. much. That's so true. That's great. Well, a couple questions to wrap things up. So one, I always want to ask people, is there a female founder that you've either been following or connected with that you think would be a great person that you'd love to hear talk about macro trends on the show? Ooh, um, specific to startups or just in general? In general, anybody that you think is just doing really interesting things. Mm, there's so many. Um, actually, a good friend of mine, Kim Taylor, I think she's really going after um, also a labor marketplace um, specific to manufacturing uh, work, who I think she's doing just a great great job um, to really expand the middle class in America. Her name is Kim Taylor. Um, So this is her second venture. She successfully sold her um, last startup, which was in the ed tech space. Um, And this is her second backing from Mark Cuban. Think the world of her and she's taught me a tremendous amount. Fantastic. Hopefully I can get her on the show. Yeah. Um, The other question I want to ask is, what is the best piece of advice anybody has given you either in your career or in your life? You know, I always go back to something that my dad has instilled to me, which is life is a series of problem solving. Um, I have taken this, you know, every day at the mom project has presented a new challenge. And if we as a team are able to reframe that as an opportunity, um, it that that mindset shift really really has done a tremendous amount in, in really t- tackling the, the problem um, in a creative way. So I think that's something the probably the best piece of advice that I carry with me every day. I love that. It's a very glass half full way of looking at the world. Yeah, you have to be. I think entrepreneurs by nature tend to be optimist, um, but it gets you through what can be some really challenging days. Well, Allison, it has been such a pleasure speaking with you today. Where can people learn more about you and The Mom Project? Yeah, so please visit us online, themomproject.com, or always feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or email. I'm Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N, dot Robinson at themomproject.com. Well, thanks again, Allison. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate it as well. Thanks so much.